Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultants Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have Moa Ganji with me. Uh, I found Moha because she's one of the top 25 leaders in analytics, uh, according to IAPA for 2019. Moha, talk to me about that. How, how was it that, what was the application process like? Yeah, sure. Um, I would like to thank you. It's my pleasure to talk to be here uh, in your podcast today. No, you're welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, IAPA is, I believe, largest analytics community in Australia. Recently, they joined ACS, uh, Australian Computer Society. And basically what it does, it promotes um, growing the strategic role that analytics plays in, mm-hmm. in modern business. Uh, they do a uh, number of things. They provide networking opportunities, industry certificates. But last year, it was the second round that they uh, had this award uh, for top 25 analytics leaders through which I was uh, ranked uh, fifth and among the top uh, leaders, uh, which Congratulations. I'm extremely humbled for. Um, and y- you know what? It's like you um, when you are doing your best and also you're facing challenges, but you know you are on the right track and yeah. having impact. Uh, on top of all of that, that rewarding feelings and support that you get from friends and even your organization, it's it's yet very very heartwarming and encouraging mm. to to receive a industry uh, recognition. Yeah, to be, uh, to be recognized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the experience itself was um, incredibly rewarding itself. Uh, from nomination to um, interview and uh, to the award ceremony, all all was a great experience. It was uh, for me. It, it pushed me to to take the opportunity to reflect what yes. um, to reflect on what I have been doing in analytics space uh, and the initiatives I was working on and, and articulating them in um, written format in the yeah. application. And had a round of um, videos, um, so it was uh, it was it was a great experience. The the award party, I, I got to meet with uh, other amazing uh, people in analytics uh, area, top mm-hmm. leaders, and uh, I'm still in, con- in in touch with them, catch up with them from time to time. And that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was a great great experience and great start to uh you know meet with people and grow my network as well and and what's interesting is we so rarely take the time to look back and go what have we achieved in the last year in the two years in five years you know what are we contributing to the industry what are we learning how's the organization uh benefiting from what we do but of course as you say by stopping to um to do the application you actually start to realize how far you've come. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, how long did it take you? Is it is it a, like, I imagine it's a reasonably arduous process to do the application. It's a written 
application and then there is a round of interview or, or they ask you to do a video mm-hmm. and saying specific questions reflecting on uh, your experience. Mm-hmm. So has it changed, has it had an impact at all on your career in terms of anything, in terms of of exposure in terms of uh, being part of groups, being invited to do podcasts, for example. Um, <laughs> what, what's the impact been so far? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the bigger, the biggest impact for me was to get to know other people, um, uh, other leaders mm-hmm. in the industry, and yeah. I stayed in touch with them. Through them, I got, uh, um, I got involved in some activities, some mentoring activities. Uh, Nice. Uh, judging uh, student awards and uh, I I typically attend conferences or uh, give a speech at conferences but this time uh, it was interesting to see a lot of familiar faces most speakers I already knew uh, oh. so that that was that was uh, that was great experience uh, yeah. afterward as well uh, it feels uh, it is definitely once you uh, get this award, get this recognition, um, you feel that you need to give back to the community even even more and be active even more than yeah. what you have been so far, mm-hmm. and uh, and that obviously comes with rewarding feelings as well and, and mm-hmm. great learning. Let's talk from about working smarter. Are there particular things that you do? that help you work smarter? Do you have, I don't know, time management routines or life balance routines or um, mm. team stuff that you do that makes life easier and therefore help you work smarter? Um, well, I, I believe digital board has, has at the same time um, increased uh, unwanted distractions in our everyday ah. life. Okay. So yes. at the same time, provided tools for us to uh-huh. to stay organized and focus. Uh-huh. So what I have done, uh, I guess, to help me work smarter is uh, I removed all sources of distractions uh, from yep. my cell phone. Oh. Reduce distractions. Yeah. And often I leave it aside in my, you know, constructive blocks of time that mm-hmm. I'm focusing on uh, on a particular task or whether it's planning or um, thinking or doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been uh, very helpful in terms of avoiding distractions. I do use digital sticky notes uh, and lists uh, yeah. uh, or even uh, Microsoft Teams task planner to, to organize things that I need to get done. Um, I start my week with a block of uh, planning time uh, and finish the week with a reflection block of time. Like uh, mm-hmm. in the beginning, I reflect, I, I think about what is that I want to get done this week. And at the end, I reflect what I've done uh, on plan or what went well and what didn't. Okay. At the, yeah, that <laughs> on an everyday or every week uh, basis, that is very helpful for me. Yes, it's uh, a, that's higher, a really good practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At a at a higher level than than a day to day activity, I definitely found it absolutely useful to set quarterly goals and uh, 
uh, action plans, for perhaps uh, fortnightly or monthly action plans yep. towards achieving those goals. I started doing that around perhaps two years ago, and I then read it a very um, like an incredible book by mm-hmm. um, I think it's by Brian Mori. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Twelve Weeks Year. Yeah. Um, which was exactly about that. It was about uh, breaking down your goals to quarter quarterly goals. Yeah. And um, and uh, and and uh, focus on achieving those goals in that short and time. And I recommend that book. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. We'll link to it. we'll link to it in the show notes. Definitely. I mean, I'll probably <laughs> read it in five seconds once I've finished the, doing the podcast with you. <laughs> um, have you noticed a change in how you're achieving your goals, or your 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 level of contentment with getting your goals using the system? Yeah. Yeah, because like um, it's uh, it's important not to just setting goals, but actually putting uh, that persistence in place to mm-hmm. doing whatever it takes to achieve that. Yeah, we all get get excited when when it is beginning of the year or beginning of the new career or uh, you know and yeah, new jobs. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it's easy to it, it's not it's not actually easy to stick to the plan to consistently progress uh, toward achieving that. Yep. I, that's why I believe breaking, breaking the big goals to quarterly, smaller, more achievable and smart goals uh, yep. can, can very much help you achieve them easier. Well, that's course, very nice. Uh, yeah. Celebrating the success among, mm-hmm. uh, along the way. Um, is is absolutely, I guess, critical to to keep the energy level high. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, stay motivated because uh, because you need that. Yeah, you do absolutely on a daily basis. There's so many things that can get in the way, and the resilience comes from feeling that you're getting stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. So, what about daily routines? You've talked about you you block out time on a Monday and a Friday to kind of get things happening. Are there daily routines that you do to keep yourself healthy, wealthy, and wise? Yeah, um, uh, depending on which day of the week it is, because uh, I have shared responsibilities of dropping or picking uh, the kids. Yeah, how <laughs> many kids have you got? I've got one. One. Um, Excellent. <laughs> Generally, uh, my working day starts uh, reflecting or uh, actually before going to work, I definitely uh, tend to have a, have a breakfast at home right. uh, to boost the energy level I need for the day and uh, or for the rest of the morning. Um, and at work, I start often start checking emails uh, just in a 15-minute block, yep. not more. And then going to reflect what I'm going to do today. Is there any preparation I need to do or so? And as I mentioned about often, sometimes it's a little bit hard to do daily. So I do weekly planning and reflection. Right. Um, As a, as another routine, perhaps a couple of, couple of days a week, I um, have family activities. Okay. Uh, Whether it's riding bike or just walking around um, for 30, 40 minutes. Yep. Uh, has been a while, I guess five, six months that swimming twice a week has become Ooh, almost okay. a routine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, 
um, in, in, in general, it is uh, like all the exercise helps you feel, you know, yeah. fresh um, and, uh, and energetic as well. And if it's, so, if it's cardiovascular exercise, the cardio apparently uh, helps you increase your brain cells. So why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so in, at work, I guess, like, those are my routines, but I would, I, I generally do a day, a weekly routine, that yeah. daily. And you move, you just execute, yeah. <laughs> I get it. That's fabulous. Uh, so what about career lessons? Are there, are there lessons you've learned over your lifetime at work, at home, wherever, that you go, this is a lesson I've learned and it's changed my life? Yeah, definitely. I believe uh, I have learned a lot of lessons uh, in my career journey. Um, perhaps one of those, one of the important lessons that I've learned through my career is to always reflect on the big picture, especially Ooh. early careers. It is extremely easy to get lost in your everyday tasks and details that you may never turn your head around and look at the big picture or perhaps you yep. don't even see the value to do so sometimes um, at least at my early career I was like that um, I, I, rem- I remember days in my early career I, I was like frizzed at my desk in, my, in front of my computer almost for the entire day uh, very good employee did all, yep. all things that I um, was supposed to do but um, I guess, apart from the health implications of, yeah. <laughs> of those behaviors that will come back to bite you at some point, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, sometimes if you don't get the big picture, you miss opportunities um, to have to have bigger impact. Mm. When you, once you start uh, putting perspective on what um, you are doing, uh, you start to see all dependencies, hidden opportunities. And, and you find motivation and greater, like a stronger sense of sense of purpose yeah. in, in oh, seeing yeah. how your contribution fits within a bigger picture of what your team or your organization is trying to achieve. No. Uh, it, I guess it resonates with the agile or lean uh, concept as well. Yeah. Regularly get feedback, reflect. Get assurance if you are on track or you need to pivot or adjust, uh, you know, and, and you end up achieving more. Yeah. So keeping that big picture uh, perspective is something that I learned um, and helped me over my career. Yeah. Um, the other thing is um, I believe you are never too junior or too senior to benefit from having a mentor. Yeah, um, you have a mentor. You have a couple of mentors, maybe. Yeah, yeah, your mentor, and it's uh, like inform, informal. A lot of uh, I, I would say I, I learn from every single person in my network, um, and I do have some mentors as well. Um, and how and, do you then, find mentors? This is something that lots of my clients say to me. Well, how do I find a mentor? I know I want one. How do I find one? What have you? Where have you discovered them? I sometimes ask for a mentor. Uh-huh. So I often have a buddy or a mentor at, at work yeah. uh, who is often very experienced in that business, 
uh, knows uh, all the dynamics and details about how, how things work. Um, and also in a, in a, in a, like outside, outside my, my workplace, I find, I meet people, I meet like-minded people. I need, I meet uh, people, leaders in, in analytics in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just uh, through that meeting, some people you, you get along very well and you feel like you learn from them. And sometimes it's both like it's two ways, mm-hmm. uh, have something to share and they have something to share. And then you just say, okay, let's, let's uh, keep on, you know, meeting and, and mm-hmm. discussing and asking questions and that become a mentor, mentorship relationship. So mentors can be peers, mentors can be colleagues, mentors can be people with the same job you've got in a different organisation. Yeah, yeah. same job or totally different job uh, because I believe you can learn um, from everyone. That's interesting. Um, So it becomes really a part of it. If you met a mentor, if other people met a mentor, would they actually recognise that person as a mentor? You've obviously been able to go, that's a mentor, that's a mentor, that's a mentor. But maybe some of the people who are saying, how do I find one, are actually looking straight at the person when they ask. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting question. <laughs> so um, you've obviously been in analytics for a while. What do you think it makes a better or worse analyst or data scientist? What's your perspective on that? Um, obviously, technical expertise to conduct analysis, build models, evaluate them properly. Uh, these are all must-haves, right? Yes. Um, but what differentiates a good or better data scientist or um, analytics professional, I believe, is um, business understanding and strong communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean by that is um, to be able to work with the business closely, to peel the problem and its layers of complexity, scope it, define hypotheses, and go about. Uh, testing them or solving that problem and in all of that requires both business understanding and communication or consulting skills Uh, along the way be able to keep that line of effective communication and feedback loop to make sure um, he's not missing or misunderstanding anything. Yeah. And also from business side, business user is comfortable with the solution that is being developed. Mm. So ability, so this comes with a series of, uh, I guess, complementary skills, like ability to explain complex concepts, stakeholder management or consulting type of skills, uh, having that team uh, play attitude as well comes to the window. Um, well, I agree. Depending on maturity of the of the team, the structures and uh, ways of working at different organizations, multiple roles are, are involved. We have data scientists and data engineers. Sometimes we have in some organizations they have uh, even a title like business translator or someone who is primarily is the bridge. But but I would say, regardless of having or um, having that kind of role or not, business understanding and a strong communication is a still a, a key factor, no matter which role in the area and where in the value chain, 
you are, um, that is absolutely critical um, differentiator. And all of this, as you said, underpinned by strong technical knowledge, so you can actually then translate that into a technical response. Exactly. But if you don't know what the problem is you're solving, then you could be solving a different problem than the client needs. (laughs) Yeah. And also if you can't get that, communicate that well enough uh, for the user to adopt it smoothly uh, and no one is going to use your solution, it's not going to deliver the impact it's supposed to deliver. Exactly. So you end up with a dashboard that gives me so much information as a, as a stakeholder that I don't know how to use it. Uh, but I've got a dashboard, so I must be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what about uh, professional development? What do you do for, for professional development? You've mentioned conferences. Is, is there a particular conferences you like? This year, the, two years ago, I attended uh, it's Chief Data Officer Melbourne. Uh-huh. Uh, that was a very, very uh, good conference. Uh, the other one I attended this year was uh, AI Summit. Um, yeah, so attending conferences uh, or informal like networking events, meeting with, with other professionals and other leaders in, in the community, that's definitely something that I, uh, I do to keep up uh, uh, with my own professional development. I often... As I mentioned, I have uh, quarterly plans. Uh, so I do have quarterly plans for my professional development as well, um, which right. is um, also including reading books or um, taking online courses. So are there particular um, courses or podcasts or books that you'd recommend? You've already recommended us one, but I bet you've got hundreds of others. Yeah, so recently, for example, I'm looking at um, strategic thinking uh, from Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the book I'm reading at the moment that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Recently, I've been reading more about leadership and management, management. uh, Mm -hmm. but that could be um, depending on what is my my quarterly plan. Yes, exactly. The... Other thing, so I already mentioned about mentors, uh, meeting with networks, um, reading book. I guess I covered all of that already in other questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they they do start to overlap. Once you've answered four or five, (laughs) the same question. Um, That's okay. Um, Do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, yeah. So I I do listen to podcasts, not very regularly, but um, I did listen to a few podcasts, uh, your podcasts. (laughs) Of course, everybody listens to my podcast. Um, There is one that Felipe uh, Flores is doing. That's a good one as well. That is good. Uh, I listened to, to a few episodes. Lovely. Um, so talk to me about if you had all the money in the world and all the time in the world and you were setting up a data science, data analytics capability from scratch in a new organisation, where would you start? Um, it's an interesting question because if initially you mentioned if you had all the money and all the... Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's uh, the hard bit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So I would uh, I would perhaps look at um, it more more broadly in a yeah. <laughs> in a in a current state uh, of certainly that's something that I've done uh, I've done before and what uh, what I do or how I approach it yeah. 
is I basically, when I'm thinking about capability, I'm looking at building capability. Uh, for me, it is uh, in, in a few verticals. Right. So, uh, it is uh, in a few verticals. It's about people and organization. It's about the talents. Do we have the right talents, the skills uh, that we need? The other aspect is um, tools and technology. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the technology that we are using uh, fit for purpose? Is it scalable? Is it uh, meeting our need, uh, catering for our future need? Uh, I look at impact. What is the impact we are having or we want to have? Right. Uh, so uh, the process and governance are we tied up with uh, with uh, too many. Um, you know, limiting processes or from the other hand, do we have enough controls in place for in our processes or not? Mm. Uh, and then, so what I do in these verticals, I look at, I look at the existing capability from these uh, different aspects mm-hmm. and I kind of assess it where we are, where is the organization sitting from those uh, um criteria point of view where does it sit today and where are the gaps um and and from there that gives me an understanding of uh how can i make best use of the existing capability and what are the areas that we need to work on mm-hmm. at the same time um Building analytic capability always requires, or at least to delivering the impact, uh, it requires uh, business to, to, to buy into it and to business users to adopt the solutions to realize the value and the impact. So it is important to understand what is the strategic direction of the organization mm-hmm. and see where um, where the analytics capability needs to be to support and to enable achieving those strategic goals. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you and also it's about communicating and engaging with the business um, senior leadership, especially uh, to, to get their view and get uh, their support on the journey of building mm-hmm. the capability. Because setting something up like this from scratch, there must be a lot of stakeholder anxiety or nervousness about what are we doing and will this give me, will I still have control and all those kinds of things. Am I, is that true? Exactly, exactly. That's right. Even though you have these, again, the organisations are in different level in, in terms of how ready they are to adopt things, but regardless of how the exec level supported, how you're building the capability or building the talent or pipeline or the coolest technology or the latest uh, advancements you're using, if the business users and users are not feeling ready or feeling uh, comfortable using the tools or the solutions that you're developing, you're not going to get the value out of it. So that adoption or uh, or you may call it change management piece is okay. absolutely critical. Um, and that comes with that communication as well. So as I mentioned, you, once you see what is existing capability, what is that needs to be done, that's the time you need to start, you need to start communicating, uh, not only with the senior leadership, but also with the broader organization about your plan, um, at how this capability needs to build up and how it's going to be, you know, integrated uh, with the everyday 
or how it's going to impact the everyday work of every business user mm. that is within that organization. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely it's a complex journey, but the key uh, is, um, I guess, three-step getting what it is existing and what needs to be done and what's the plan, but also the absolutely important uh, factor here is the communication and the adoption plan uh, for business users. Totally, absolutely. Now, you mentioned the importance of talent um, when you were talking about setting up from scratch. How do you recruit for talent? What are the what are the tricks or techniques that you use to make sure you get the right kind of people? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, it is important to uh, have the uh, range of skills that is covering the end-to-end uh, cycle, life cycle of the project. Totally, you don't uh, need a gap there, do you? Sorry? You can't have a gap in, in capability. It just would be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It is. It is hard. It is. Uh, I think even sometimes not um, reasonable to expect someone is good at or someone is really good at or expert at all all parts of the of the uh, process. But yeah. diversity uh, with having diverse backgrounds, diverse skill sets in your in your team, you you get that collective uh, outcome. Yeah. So I do look at different skills. I look at uh, technical skills and I look at soft skills. Nice. I actually have um, developed um, something called um, uh, capability metrics. It is not something that I develop that I use. Um, capability metrics. So for all the roles in my team, I have got a skill uh, a skill set. I've got a skill. So it's behavioral skills uh, like people management, uh, team team uh, player attitude, uh, resilience, uh, risk management, all of so all the behavioral type of uh, uh, skills and technical skills around data science, data engineering, um, analytics. You know how to use Power BI. Do, can you do? Yeah, power visualization. So all the technical skills. And then I've got roles in my team. And for each of the roles, I kind of have a score or have an ideal score of where they should be yep. in terms of this skill list. And mm, Definitely, it's it's all good. I mean, I don't expect everyone to to rank high in all all of the aspects. It's it is definitely related to their role. So I would expect everyone to have at least foundational understanding about the whole value chain. But in terms of their skills and expertise, that that could be. Uh, uh, you know, they just need to rank high in the relevant skills that, that are important in their area. For example, they, uh, I would expect my data scientists to have the understanding and knowledge of how the model is going to go into production. But if he his skill doesn't rank high in that deployment side, that's totally fine. Because I've got a data engineering who's a skill, who is really, really expert in that part. Who picks up the slack? So when you so when you recruit for someone, how do you test for some of those things? Like, do you? I mean, obviously for for a technical skill, you can literally give them a uh, here's a case study, do it, or bring us something and talk us through how you did it. Um, do you do that kind of stuff? 
So for the technical, uh, we do have sometimes, depending on the role, we sometimes have little case studies for them, uh, for them to do. We look at uh, the, uh, if they have a, a code already available online on, on Git uh, or somewhere. Um, really, we do also have a coding uh, activity as well, but that's uh, that's not a very common thing. More, I would be looking at how they are approaching. So, for example, for data scientists, how they are approaching solving this particular problem, mm. or asking more detailed questions about their previous experiences, why they did certain things, or why they try uh, certain certain uh, models or algorithms or approaches, and why not the other ones. Right. And so you kind of ask behavioral questions about tell me about a time when or talk me through how you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. that was the technical part I was yeah. referring to, but yeah. the behavioral, behavioral part, it's mainly about um, their experiences uh, when they uh, experience a situation or, a, uh, you know, a situation at work, how, how did they approach it, whether it's a conflict, whether it was a. Um, you know, people management aspect or, and also it's important sometimes to ask about things that went wrong, yes. not always right. So <laughs> was there any situation that they reflect on and they say, I oh, could do better? Yeah. Um, I solved and, it this way, but I wish I had done it this way. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, obviously we are not judging why they did that wrong, but it's important to see how well they are, uh, understanding or reflecting on their actions or behaviors and they are always looking to improve. Nice. Um, so that's kind of another, when we talked about what makes a better or worse data person, this is a kind of hidden one that you didn't necessarily say out loud, but you, you're essentially saying, do they learn from their experience and are they trying to be better? Is that true? Exactly, exactly. That's absolutely important. So, so when you're recruiting, you're looking for people who are learning from their experience and trying to be better, who may be better than someone who doesn't learn from experience but has all the tech skills and that, that exactly. we think they need. Yeah, and even, even that um, capability metrics that I was talking about earlier, again, absolutely, people don't need to score high or they don't need to tick all the boxes or have experience or have done all the right things because we are all improving, we are all learning. And as long as they have that attitude, um, that's all good. That's, that shows a strong, a strong aspect of their, uh, you know, their personality mm -hmm. and their career, like professional, being a professional mm -hmm. person. And, and that is, uh, if it is technical or if it is, even if they say, okay, I haven't done much of a leadership or people management, but that's something that I want to grow, then, uh, or, or if it is in a technical aspect, I want to work on this type of things, I want to learn Power BI or whatever. So that become our basis to set up and discuss a personal development or professional development at work. And that's something, again, I, although it's uh, generally on an annual basis, but I tend to bring that and uh, bring that quarterly planning uh, <laughs> uh, at work as well. If they like to do so, or we can think about it and have a plan and track track how they progress with that and we make sure that we have uh, we have the um, you know have set up the support system for them to get exposed to that particular skills that particular um, you know um, mm -hmm. experience that they need to um, they need to, to grow in that experience in that in that aspect of their skills that they want to uh, develop. 
Yes, exactly, because we're talking about education but also exposure and experience because those are the three different ways we can learn. Exactly. Um, what about uh, explanation? So part of our the job of, of analytics professionals is to essentially explain to people who may be not as smart at data um, how, you know, how they're going to approach a problem or how they have approached a problem or why this dashboard is going to be useful for them. How do you go about explaining stuff that's complex to people who are kind of data naive? What's your principles on that? Um, I, I think the, the best thing that I learned over time is to start with the impact and why they should they should care or they, they, how this particular information that I'm going to share is important or relevant to, to, the, to the people, to the audience. Yeah. So setting up that scene is, is definitely very important, I believe. Then depending on what is the technical level of the, um, of the uh, information that you want to share, mm-hmm. I would say I would, um, I would summarize it as much as I can. Uh, given the critical information that I want to share is not missed from from that, so I keep the critical information as a as a high level. I start with a high level, yeah, uh, but then I go into details and uh, along the way I explain any if there is any absolutely critical term or uh, piece of information they need to know about, and that's not a general, uh, you know, term. I explain that first. And then, and then dig into further if if need be. But um, again, like visualizations these days, there are a lot of great tools for visualizations. And and every day I see uh, new things. Simple and informative visualization is another way to put complex things uh, in a in a simple visual format. Specifically, people are often um, not very good at uh, text or lots of numbers but pictures and visualization is uh it's much easier to grasp it uh, yeah. requires less brain <laughs> perhaps uh, yes, muscles yeah. to, to understand and that's always good <laughs> so um the the final question i have to ask you is this, is about what's your favorite charity who's your favorite charity um and i'm very happy to talk to you about any any other questions you might want to talk about so what's your favourite? Uh, yeah, sure. I think um, so. My favourite charity is uh, the one called Yara, uh, and um, why that's my favourite charity is because I'm I'm very passionate about um, education mm-hmm. and and also uh, equal opportunity for everyone. So mm-hmm. what they do. Um, at least part of the thing that they're doing is they are supporting students uh, in need in developing countries. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's something close to, to my heart. So I, um, that's why this charity is my favourite one. Right. Excellent. And is there anything else you want to say? Um, in terms of questions, not really. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 
like to thank you for uh, taking the time and I really enjoyed the conversation we had today. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you so much for taking your time, Moha. We have we have rescheduled this call over three <laughs> months, I think, four months maybe. Um, between, between my availability and your availability, it's been very low. So I appreciate your resilience in continuing <laughs> to schedule this and I so have enjoyed talking to you and finding out your perspective. This is Cindy Tonkin, I'm the Consultant's Consultant, and you've been listening to Smarter Data People. This is part of what I do to understand how it is that data scientists can be more effective in the workplace, smarter, faster, and nicer. And if you have a team and you're finding them harder to manage than they could be, if you're constantly trying to squeeze more out of your budget and out of their time, and if you've got stakeholders or they've got stakeholders who are less than happy sometimes, maybe a lot more than sometimes, it can be really annoying and it can make you feel incompetent. I can help you help them get to the important problems faster, target the wasted time and save you time and money, and ultimately delight stakeholders so that you can feel competent again. It's such a good feeling. Talk to me.